0: Blob Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. I'm sitting here chuckling. I'm, I'm with our special guest this morning, and we were trying to do something before we went live, but I, I, no worries. We've been we've been off the shelf for 12 years, and know how to just keep keep it moving, keep it moving. So we want to welcome you here to off the shelf on this August 13th. I tell you, the time gets by so quickly. We're already in the middle of August, and I can feel and see outside my window of loads of trees outside of of my home where some of the leaves are already starting to change colors. So I I encourage you, not only if you're somebody who has a heart for story and you want to write a story and you listen to the -the off-the-shelf guests and you you wish you were, were in their shoes, uh, don't wait you can always sit down and start on a story or whatever it is you want to do today so i encourage you not to talk yourself out of it and another thought that i want to leave with you as we kick off this special uh, uh off the shelf uh a show this thought i also want to leave with you infuse your life with action don't wait for it to happen and i didn't even hadn't even read that when i made my earlier statement, but infuse your life with action. Don't wait for it to happen. Make it happen. Make your own future. Make your own hope. Make your own love. And whatever your beliefs, honor your creator, not by passively waiting for grace to come down from upon high, but by doing what you can to make grace happen yourself right now, right down here on earth, and that is by Bradley Whitford. So don't don't wait for it to happen. We're always waiting for somebody else to do something or for something to just, like a magic wand waved and something that we wanted just suddenly appeared. Go out and make it happen. And our guest today did that herself, which is why she's on this show. If she hadn't taken those steps, she wouldn't have a book. Before we introduce her, I also want to encourage you to pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pull Over Me, and I want to thank those Who have already done so, and I hope you'll share with me how you enjoy "Love Pour Over Me." You can get it in print and ebook format. You can also read free excerpts of "Love Pour Over Me" at my website, which is chistel.com. C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. And I, and I want to pause and thank those who have been with us for
1: 12
0: years. I want to thank our loyal listeners again and our new listeners. And so now let us, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And today's guest is, we have some phenomenal guests on off-the-shelf. Today's guest is Paula Scott Bicknell, and she joins a long list of authors, some who have been on the New York Times bestseller list, some of our authors, Regularly come on television shows weekly. Some have started their own. I know two have their own television show. So she joins a long list of of awesome, awesome, off the shelf guests. And again, it's Paula Scott Big Mill, and Paula is a Christian. She is a wife, a mother of seven children. And if you, when you go to her website, I'm going to give it to you in just a few seconds. And you look at her, you might have trouble figuring out which one is her and which one is her daughter. She just looks fabulous. She's a mother of seven children. And if this was in the 1970s, we'd be saying something like how things are relative. We'd be saying she only has seven kids because people had a whole (laughs) lot of kids back then. But in today's times, Fast forward, we say seven kids, <laughs> but years ago, it would have been you only had seven. And she's also a lover of the great outdoors. You will fall in love with her website. And she's the author of the book, Until the Day Breaks. I encourage you to gift yourself, to treat yourself, to hop over and check out Paula's website. And it is P-S, P is in Peter, S is in Sam, B is in Boy. Icknell dot com again. That's P S B I C K N E L L dot com. She should run a contest and say, "Can you guess which one is me and which one is my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> and see how many people get it right. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Paula.
1: Oh, thank you, Denise.
0: We're we're so happy to have you here with us on Off the Shelf. This morning, and it, it is just a pleasure to have you here. I enjoyed researching for your interview, and I, I really enjoyed visiting your website. Your, your personality and your your essence comes through your website. Um, so before we launch into today's uh, show's questions, this is a question I have asked all of our guests. I'd like to give our listeners a little backstory on our guest's so they can be feel like they know our guests a little bit before we launch more into more of the questions. So can you tell off the shelf listeners where you grew up, Paula, and what life was like for you growing up?
1: Oh, uh, well, Denise, very blessed to grow up in the Sutter buttes um they're known as the smallest mountain range in the world. um I'm not quite sure if they are, but they're in northern california they're about an hour or so above sacramento and it's really a little farming community um i i lived in the buttes my parents farmed we call them almonds a lot of people call them almonds but farmers who farm them call them almonds and my grandparents were peach farmers i am a fifth generation california farmer and um my my great great grandmother came over on a covered wagon to California, and she married wow. a a farmer. <laughs> and so we've been farming ever since, and it's, it's right now. I our farm is right at the edge of them, um, and I'm um, just I, I, I was very fortunate to grow up here, very small town uh-huh. type of place.
0: How many people where you grew up? And then it might tie into my next question, but how many people in the town where you grew up?
1: Well, actually, yeah, you know, the closest town to where I grew up was about 20 minutes away. And um, there was little towns in different directions. So like the, the largest town in my area is, is a larger town. Um, it's a half an hour from where I grew up. And I'm not sure what the population is now, Um, it has two high schools now and, and they're pretty big high schools, you know, so it's, it's not a small town by any means, but it still feels like a small town. You know, you run into the same people, you know, in the stores and that sort of thing. But, um, the actual town I can consider my town is probably a little town of Sutter and it's, um, down the road and it's very small. It has one little tiny grocery store and a, a high school and a few churches. It's a it's a little rural town, and I guess that would be my town.
0: Okay. Paula, what did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? What did you dream about of becoming? You
1: know, you know, Denise, I wanted to be a writer from a very early age. I think wow. part of it was probably I grew up um, very, you know, where I lived. We didn't, mm-hmm. the closest neighbor was a ways. He was a farmer. There was no girls. Um, my brother had a friend who actually drove his dad's old Jeep. He was probably 10 or 12 and he would drive up our hill and visit. And so I had a big imagination, maybe because I had to make my own friends. I'm not real sure. <laughs> so I was pretty young when I decided I wanted to be a writer. I it was 10 years old, maybe, or earlier. Um, before that, I was always on my pony and dreamed of being an Indian. So Um, I really, really like I know living in the country. I would tie my pony up on the front porch and go in the house get a snack. Go go back out, get on my pony, and ride some more. Um, So it was a neat way to grow up.
0: One thing I do appreciate about uh, doing off the shelf and different as a freelance writer, different people I've written for women's magazines, uh, people who have landed historical the uh, business deals and it it i love hearing people's backstories because it, it it there is such a breath we our lives are so rich, and I don't think we notice it until you get out and you start talking to and meeting more people, and you just become amazed with people alone it's just such a gift, just each person. And your story is—I've I've heard so many people who have come on off the shelf. Their story's different. One had he and his mother had to flee a, flee another country. Some have grown up and traveled wow. traveled the world, and then come back to the United States or 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 continue to live in another country. But the stories are so rich. Some from small towns like you are, and some from from large towns that they've seen evolve over the years. But I I love your website. And when you're t- talking to our listeners about your background, your, your from far, a farming background, you will notice that as soon as you go to Paula's website to our listeners, and her website, again, for those who are just tuning in off the shelf, is P.S. Bicknell, P-S, S in Sam, B-I-C-K-N-E-L-L.com. And like I was saying, I love your website. It has such a per- a powerful it has a very powerful personal touch. You feel as if you're with a friend while, while you're at your website. So that said, that's something, that authenticity, that it's hard to create that. You really have to be genuine about it. Who created your website, Paula? And was it your intent to give visitors the, the feeling you wanted them to feel like they were hanging out with a friend while they were at your website?
1: You know, Denise, my website was kind of an accident, I guess. Um, when I, I um, when I started it, I, my literary agent at the time said I had to have a website. and He said I had to blog, and I'll be honest, I didn't know what a blog was. I was knee deep in raising my little ones, and thought I have no time to blog. I have no time for a website. I barely have time to write on my novels. I, I don't know how to do that. And I just really prayed about it. And I just said, you know, God, this is your thing. I'm going to do this for you. Um, I started out, I just called it Lessons on Loving God and and started just telling kind of the lessons that God was teaching me. I just thought I would just share with my friends. I, I think of my readers as my friends. I started out, they were my friends. My first readers were family and friends. And so, you know, just really writing for people I love and And for the God I love and my website, honestly, my husband put together and it, it needs so much work, but we, we farm, we, we've been in the middle of harvest this summer. We, we tried to read add to the website so we could add my book and took just on a basic website to put my book on there and have not had time to work on it. But I I try every week to blog and I'm behind this week. I was hoping to get a blog posted before today and I wasn't able to do that because um, our peaches and pluots or just we're just finishing up we have another week or two of harvest and we work really hard we work six days a week we take sundays off that's our day to go worship our lord and be a family and have a family dinner with my parents and our kids and um so i, I i'm glad you like the website denise i feel like it needs a lot of work but um i just try you know i just decided from day one i'm just going to be honest in my walk with the lord and and um you know we all kind of wrestle and struggle and and have joy and sorrow and all those things and I just I just wanted to be real about that
0: Mm. where did you get the idea for your first
1: story a puppy without a tail oh too funny I can't believe you. yeah (laughs) you know I'm not sure where that came from I love puppies you can ask my cousins I always wanted to play puppies when I was really little and they it just drove them crazy and i i think again there the puppies were my friends the dogs we lived on a little farm and i had lots of animals and i always had my dog with me and love puppies and i you know i think it came from I always feel like i was missing something you know like i think when you um are created by the lord you just have that place in your heart for him and when it's not quite filled yet you just feel like you're missing something. And also, you know, when you go to school, you just kind of, you don't always fit in at school. I went from a really tiny little country school to a bigger school, which was small. People would probably laugh, but my parents when they moved to the Sutter Beach, I was moved to a a bigger school and, and I just felt out of place. And I had worked on the puppy without a tail and I finished it. I, in, I think I was fourth or fifth grade when I, Finished that story, and I I drew all the pictures for it. Of course, my parents were so proud. <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they really nurtured that in me, the storytelling.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, did you go back? And we only only have a few more questions before we get into until the day breaks. Did you go back and finish your bachelor's degree? As I was researching, I said, "Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that you stopped too shy, too classy, shy of graduating." Did you?
1: You know, Denise, I never did. My husband was in the military. He was a, a Army helicopter pilot, and we moved around a lot. And he at Davis, which UC Davis is a wonderful university. And I went and signed up to finish my degree, my English degree. I was two classes short. Of course, I would have had to take, you know, probably a year or two at UC Davis to meet their requirements. And I signed up for my classes, and I found myself pregnant. And um, I was thrilled because I wanted more kids. My husband at the time, um, he hadn't become a born-again Christian yet, and I had. and So he, he was a little by that. But I um, ended up pregnant, and then I ended up five months in bed. I had a really rough pregnancy. And so I never, never finished my degree. I let it go. I had four, four boys in eight years, and the youngest of those boys now is five years old so ended up with seven kids and I just had my hands full and and so I didn't yeah I um that is probably one of my regrets in life I wish I would had just done those two classes when I you know first got married and spent a my husband and I would have had to spend a semester apart which has been really hard because he got sent to Alabama and that's why I left school I wanted to be with him we were newly married but so well, no thought, no degree you- you can always go back and finish
0: it You you were that close, which is which is a good thing. I, I had two other questions I wanted to ask you. Did you, and you are, uh, uh, you're, the things you do to all off-the-shelf listeners are probably like, oh, my gosh, you're probably maybe opening up a, a world to a lot of our listeners that they only see on television. Did you really raise pigs
1: in school? Oh, I did. I loved my pigs. I did. I I had pigs for 4-H and FFA, which is Future Farmers of America. And I love my pigs. You know, pigs are very smart. They're a lot like dogs, which makes it really hard to part with them at the fair. You know, at the fair, you have to sell them for market. And of course, somebody's going to eat them. That was really rough on my heart. Um, And it's funny, I had picked pigs over sheep and and other animals because I thought I would love them less, but yeah, they are—they're a neat, neat animal. And um, so, yes, I did.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so one more question before we talk about until the day breaks. And I sort of alluded to this when I was introducing you. you your husband and I got to tell you, especially you—you you look like you're in your 30s. Now you have <laughs> seven children, and. You're, you more so to me look like you're in your twenties um, you just both you and your husband I wouldn't say I, if I had to guess your your ages you don't really look them, you look like you're in your twenties. Somebody hears you have seven kids, even if you started having kids when you were twelve they, <laughs> they could figure that you well you have to to even still you wouldn't be in your in your twenties, probably do you think that? living out in nature do you think it helps to keep a person looking young i had to ask you that is that your secret you you don't you look like you're in your in your 20s seriously what do you think that that's where it comes from just working outdoors a lot
1: you know denise i'm tonight is my 30-year class reunion i'm i'm 48 years old and i'm going to my 30-year class reunion tonight i'm a nervous about it a lot of these people i haven't seen in years decades um i do think life in the country um has something to do with it you know it's hard work but we have our own garden we have our own chickens we we farm our own meat um you know we a lot of our food is pretty natural food um i i I work we have farmers markets. So I'll trade my fruit for vegetables at the markets. I only grow tomatoes these days because my biggest thing with my garden is we have rattlesnakes and black widows and I fight them to get my vegetables out of the garden. So my garden is half the size it used to be. But, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things Denise is that I ask the Lord to renew my strength and youth often to keep up with my kids. You know, I, think having little ones even though it's exhausting really makes a difference and chasing my little boys around um you know i have to be fast enough to catch them when they run off and so i'm always asking the (laughs) lord please lord give me strength to be a mom farmer you know to to Ah. take care of our farm take care of our large family um
0: okay and maybe that's a, one of the an, an additional benefit you're getting. <laughs> you, look yeah. like you're your you look like you're in your twenties. You look like you're in your twenties. Now, is until the day breaks? I love that title. Is this your first published novel? And if not, can you tell us what the title of your first published novel is?
1: It is my first novel, Denise. I've I've written short stories for um, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Guidepost, that sort of thing. But this is my first novel, and I, you know, I actually wrote it in my twenties and I, um, at the time I was not a born again Christian when I wrote it. Um, I was, a, a pretty strong Catholic and, and went to mass often and loved, loved my religion. And, um, and I wrote it because I had a best friend, very strong born again Christian and always had her Bible and, and, uh, you know, she, she, I admired her very much. So when I actually wrote the first draft of the novel, my Rachel was very much like my best friend, Christy, who was a a really strong Christian in my life. And, and then I, I kind of modeled, you know, Roman, the, the hero after my husband. And, um, and once I finished the draft, I, um, we were in Germany. My husband was stationed in Germany. So then when we moved back to the States, I submitted it to the second. A really good rejection on it. I had a publishing house read the whole thing and really liked the story. But I didn't realize at the time, it wasn't working with anybody. I really didn't know much. And I didn't realize you were supposed to fix stuff and resubmit it. So I never resubmitted it. I just wrote another book. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it is my first published novel. I waited a long time. To publish it I rewrote it When I became born again And um,
0: Okay Now what inspired you We know where the, the Roman character Is based loosely Or however much off your husband And the, the, the uh, Rachel is based off of a friend That you had What inspired you though to actually sit down and write You said you started on it in your 20s What, what inspired yeah. you to actually sit down and write Until the day breaks
1: You know I really wanted to be a novelist. I just when I um, left college I was just set on being a novelist. At the time I was an avid reader of historical romances and I wanted to do that and um, my grandma was an avid reader of historical romances. My grandma Helen and she had just really put it into my head that that's what I was going to do and she was a major storyteller. Oh she told all kinds of stories. She had um, sold her horse in Montana and brought, bought a train ticket to California when she was 17, and came down here and in a gold mine and they got married and so she always said you're gonna be you're gonna write these books that these women write and so I took a shot and I wrote the, my first book was Follow the West Wind it never got published it was considered by Harlequin and I was 21 at the time and.
0: And uh,
1: and then they didn't take it, and so then I wrote until the day breaks. And I wrote until the day breaks in Germany. I started it because I was really homesick for California. I really missed the farm. We lived on like the fourth floor of a of a cinder block building from World War II. Um, it was a very different life than than I had grown up with, and and um, so I started researching. Uh, history avidly because i missed california i just missed my home and and my california is so different than how most people perceive california of course because i come from a small farming community in northern california you know i'm hours from the ocean and uh, probably eight or nine hours from hollywood i mean it's it's very different than what you know what the news portrays california as and and so um that's really what started until the day breaks. And then when I became a born again Christian, I really wanted to write a love story, not just between a man and a woman, but that love story of how God goes after somebody, you know, in the book, God is after Roman's heart and, and God is pursuing Roman. And I really wanted to write that love story until the day breaks is a, is a scripture from song of songs in the Bible. And I read that, um, Song of Songs numerous times to write my book. Um, I really wanted to portray love, just that really um, passionate love that the Lord has for us. And even Mm. when we're dirty sinners, you know, even when we don't know him and we're sinning, the Lord loves us and goes after us. And I really wanted to put that in my story, and I hope it comes across.
0: Can can you give off off the shelf listeners a brief synopsis of until the day breaks?
1: Yeah, so while researching, I found out that um, the Californios were a very unique culture in California. It it wasn't it didn't last very long. Um, So Spain had settled California, and what really the Catholic Church had they had missions all along the coast in California and then Mexico took over Spain and so at the time my book is set in 1846 Mexico actually owned California but there was a, a group of people called the gente de razón. they were the educated people they were the people that really ran California really governed California and they were the Californianos they were of mixed Spanish some Indian heritage Um, they prided themselves on their Spanish blood. So the more Spanish blood they had in them, it was almost, you know, like royalty and they were ranchers. They were, they had vast herds of cattle and lived on their horses and it was a very unique culture. And it, it reminded me a little bit of how I'd grown up. My dad had a cattle herd, my grandparents and my uncle had cattle. I gosh, I was a little tiny girl on my pony herding cattle And so it reminded me a little bit of my upbringing and I loved the culture and that's, and I, and I love the rising of California, how it did become a state. And so I wanted to write about that. And, and out of that, um, my story was born. Um, Oh, and, and Rachel, Rachel was the, the name Rachel was the first American woman to come to California by ship. Rachel Larkin, she married Thomas Larkin and, um, and that's why I named my character Rachel because she was the first, I have her as an American woman coming to California. And, and where was she from? Where did she come? From? She was from. She was from the East Coast. I had her from the Boston area, um, kind of the outskirts of Boston. And um, in that day, there was um, quite a few Americans. They called them Yankees that came to California and wanted to own land. And to do that, they had to become Catholic. They had to um, join the Catholic Church to own land in California. And the Californianos um, betrothed their children. They arranged their children's marriages in California at the time, which I found so interesting. And so I thought, well, you know, what what would it be like? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Denise. No, you said
0: you thought well, what would it be it, like
1: to put an American girl with a Californiano, you know, a Spanish soldier who didn't want her, who did not want to be married to her and to be when they were betrothed, it was a it was like marriage. The only thing really they weren't supposed to do is, you know, they weren't supposed to have the marriage bed yet until they had the wedding, but in all since um you know, with the government, they were considered married. It this is a very interesting culture to me, and I thought, gosh, that could create a lot of conflict <laughs> in a relationship.
0: So, you, do you, So your story is historical, and there are people who love historical novels. We had a guest on here, and I think his stories were set in Texas. And he okay. said, you cannot, he said, there are people, he said, I'm telling you, if you put they had something on a menu in a, in a, depending on when you set your story, you could say they had something on the menu in a menu in a restaurant or something. He said if there are people, he said I'm telling you things, who actually know whether that food was actually on a menu back then or not, and they will call you out on it. He said it's just amazing. He said when you write historical novels, you would be shocked how many people, really know they're like no nah, that, that wasn't going on then they or, nah, do really know they, yeah that, yes now why did you set oh my goodness you have really given us an education here why did you set the story in 1846
1: i really that's when the bear flag revolt happened and the bear flag revolt was when a a group of men uh americans um took over Sonoma, which at the time was, um, uh, you know, one of the settled parts of California, they, you know, manifest destiny was going on at that time. Um, America was sweeping across the United States, taking land and did not want to stop until they reached the Pacific ocean. That, that was really what was happening at the time. And so there was this movement to take California from Mexico and the Sacramento Valley um, had – that's where the wagon trains started coming into in, in about the 1840s. And families, American families, were settling the Sacramento Valley and pushing out the Indians. And the Californianos had really only settled mostly along the coast. They, they were not inland. They stayed along the coast. But they did not want the Americans, of course, taking over their, their state which it wasn't a state at the time, it was a province of Mexico. But um, so you had this, the Americans fighting with um, the Californianos and Mexico, of course, but Mexico was far away and um, to take California. And so you had the bear flag revolt, um, which was really what started um, the United States taking California from Mexico and so that's why I chose 1846. I wanted to start the series when that started, and then I want to end the series after California becomes a state. So I love history. I love history, and um, and and I read uh, lots of history books. And I love my state. I love California. And I, you know, people don't know how it came to be. I'm, I'm amazed at how many Californians don't know their state history. <laughs> So, yeah you
0: know that's probably that's probably any state <laughs> oh so yeah makes arguments true. and we we no, we make these arguments and we don't even know we don't have enough information to to right. understand both sides of an argument, and yet we are so adamant but we don't we don't have enough information to hold an intelligent intelligent debate right. i I really appreciate this about your until the day breaks I have got to tell you And the work that you put in To to Just anybody listening to you right now Knows you put in the work As far as research And I really appreciate that Not only can you be entertained While reading Until the day breaks But you can walk away educated To talk about you Next Paula What is Rachel Tyler's What's her relationship like With her father
1: it's not good, Denise, you know, and I wanted to portray this in the book, too. She's she's really been abandoned by her father when she was a baby. Her, her mother dies, and her father abandons her. He leaves her with the grandparents, and he goes to California really to make his fortune. And so she is a little girl that's, you know, been abandoned by him, and they've really had no relationship until he's in California, and he realizes that she's a commodity to him, that she would be valuable to bring her out and to betroth her to a Californiano because he's really trying to make higher. He's really trying to get more land. And he realizes if she's young and healthy and beautiful, um, that that he can put her into a marriage and acquire land that way. And so he since ready to marry a minister in in the Boston area a young um, passionate minister who loves the Lord and loves her and so her father crashes into her life and really destroys the life she knows that Rachel loves the Lord and she's a strong Christian and she knows she has she must obey her father and she wants to be loved by her father and she wants him to love her she's a very in a, in a lot of ways um She's seeking his approval. You know, I, I think we often do that. You know, we, we love our parents and we seek their approval and we try to earn it. And, and that's kind of where she is. And when she gets to California, she realizes her father really isn't interested in a relationship with her. He wants to use her to acquire more land. And so oh. that, you know, is really hard on her heart.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. If he... Oh my gosh, her he does seem. If you if anyone re, re, reading any excerpts from until the day breaks, he seems um, like he's totally. And I know back then because I know in my grandparents, and that's not going back to the eighteen forty six, but they said you know children were to be seen and not heard, and you didn't. Right. You just did what you were told to do, and that was the end of the story. He seems very almost like. He, and maybe that was the way it was back then. Your children don't have feelings. They don't have thoughts. Who cares what they think? Who cares what they're feeling? This is what I told you to do, so go do it. He does come across. He does come across that way, um, it, which makes me wonder why even would she stay? She seems more like a, a somewhat of a risk taker or an adventurer to me. Uh, and then it, I also wanted to ask you is until the day breaks? is it a sequel? And if so, why did you decide to start it with a sequel? But it's not a, so you said this is the first, plan on making it a sequel, correct?
1: Right. You plan on correct. making it? Okay. It's the first in a series of three books. Um, the second book I hope to have um, out there by December. I'm well into writing it. And that is, um, it's titled The Far Side of the Sea. And it's Set mostly in San Francisco in 1849, that is when San Francisco really became a city. Um, it was a, it was a little village um, for years. It was Yerba Buena, and then um, when when the Americans took over California, it became San Francisco. And then, of course, with the Gold Rush, it exploded. It just boomed and grew very fast. And so, I have my second book set in that time frame. And it's Roman's little sister Maria, who is the main character of that book. And then the third book will be Chasing the Wind. And it is set in the early 1850s when um, California really was born out of the gold rush. And so, so many things it was built on at that time were things that really didn't last. You know, the riches of gold, you know, that played out eventually. and, And you had a lot of transient type of lives. At that time in California, and I wanted to portray that. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't feel like I could do the the California Rising. It's called the California Rising series, and I didn't feel like I could put all that history in one book. There just it didn't feel like I could do it. And so I, at the time, my I literary agent said break it into make it a series, which I thought was a great idea. He Les Stobie was my literary agent at the time, and he actually named the series the California Rising series. Uh-huh. But I haven't written the, the last book yet, and I'm close to being finished with the second one. So, okay. How,
0: how, does Rachel have any brothers or sisters? Is she an only child?
1: She's an only child, yeah. She's an Can only child and... Rachel- and, and
0: can you describe, Rachel, for yeah. us to tell us the type of of, of of a woman? And I also wanted to ask you, we're, we're 1846, so we know women like children. You did what you were told. You didn't
1: right. have yeah. much of an,
0: an opinion. Is she a follower? Does she give in to other people's orders, especially when you consider her relationship with her father and what he wants her to do? Or is she bold? Does she speak up for herself?
1: You know, Rachel is, is an interesting character to me. I, she's a lot, like I said, my best friend, Chrissy. I also, when I rewrote the book at, for a Christian um, readers, when I became a born-again Christian, um, Rachel took on a lot of characteristics of our oldest daughter, Tammy. Um, and I actually kind of modeled some of her looks after my her second daughter, Lacey. Um, but Rachel appears to be very submissive. She seems to be very obedient but underneath she's stubborn underneath she's a fighter but it's been so buried in obeying god and i and i believe obeying god's a wonderful wonderful thing but i think in in those days women were really um taught to be submissive and 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 we should submit to god even today we we should submit to god and And obey our husbands. The Bible says to obey our husbands. And, and that to me has been a bit of a struggle. I'll just be really honest with you. You know, my, my mom's very strong willed and and I grew up, I remember the seventies when there was a real rise and, and maybe I'm sure even probably in the sixties, but I was born in the late sixties. So a real rise in women's, um, asserting themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and so, I really wanted to um portray a woman who who was fighting that that she knew she needed to submit, she knew she needed to obey, and yet inside she she really struggled with that. And um and I and I think because that has been one of my struggles as a wife and a mother um to to submit and obey. Um, that that's just hard. I it didn't yeah. come naturally to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, why didn't Stephen? Why didn't he come to California with Rachel? This is something that I wondered oh, when I was reading and doing the research for the interview. I, why didn't mm-hmm. he come to California with her? Uh, considering that the reason she went to California, for, forget what came of it, but for the right. reader, she went there to go to attend her father's wedding. So I'm thinking, why right. didn't Stephen
1: go, why didn't he accompany her? Well, his mother was dying. In the book, his mother was dying, and he was very, very much, um, I don't want to say a mama's boy, but he he was, a—he Stephen is my Christ-like figure in the book, and he um, was taking care of his mother book, and so he couldn't leave with Rachel. And, of course, Rachel thought she was going for the wedding and to meet her father and all that, had no idea she was her father was going to to you know betroth California trying to get land so she really didn't know what was going on and so Stephen did not know what was going on yeah oh uh, well I a little bit longer I'll take care of her until she dies and then I'll I'll be free to pursue my bride to marry my bride and so kind of they really didn't have you know enough information Neither Stephen or Rachel really knew what was going on in the beginning of the story, and so okay. the choices they made were out of a lack of knowledge ah, uh,
0: now how alike and how different are Roman and Stephen? Oh, and well, then, then before you answer that before you answer that, how long have Stephen and Rachel been together when she before she went to
1: California? You know in in my thought process. Um, a couple of years and and stephen is has taken over and become the pastor of her grandfather 's church, so in the book rachel 's grandfather was the minister of the church, and then when he retired, Stephen took over and so stephen's you know a number of years older than rachel he 's still a young man, you know but um and he he's just um, he's spiritually quite a bit more advanced than Rachel in his walk with the Lord. He, he really knows that his ministry and being a pastor is really what the Lord has for him. So he really wants to marry Rachel. He really wants her to be his wife, but his struggle inside is knowing that that's not God's plan for him. You know, at the back of his mind, he kind of knows marriage isn't going to be for him. You know, Paul said in the, in the Bible, Paul said, um, it's better not to marry, but if you need to marry, you know, or temptation, if you listen to that and Stephen has, has embraced that he is a man of God and he, his life here really is about, um, spreading the gospel and he's, he's not sure if God has a, Rachel to be his wife or not So he's wrestling with that um, All along Ah,
0: So what, how, how alike And different are Roman and Stephen that, Man you've got a lot of twists in this story how, how alike and different Are Roman and Stephen how, how would you say they're similar And how would you say they're different I, I would imagine their, their, their Religious beliefs are different But how are their personalities Similar or different
1: well, you know the the interesting thing is they seem very different. You, at first glance, you think, oh, these they're very different men. But really, when you really get right down to it, they they are are similar in a lot of ways. Both of them are protectors. They they protect their loved ones and they protect people, even even those they don't love. They protect, you know. And Stephen has has. Um, Walked far enough with the Lord that He loves. He is a man who loves. Where well, Roman isn't even close to that yet. But but they are men that take care of the weak. They are men that that uh, protect their women. They they you know they have good hearts. And it's just Roman hasn't really met the living God yet. You know he's a he's very Catholic and his beliefs, but he is mad at God. He is angry at God for his mother dying and, and, you know, just um, he's fighting so hard to keep California, you know, to not have the Americans take over California where Stephen, Stephen's real um, push is heaven. The kingdom of God is what Stephen is really pursuing where Roman is really pursuing the kingdom of California its own own country governed by the Gente de razón, which were the the upper class at that time, the Spanish-blooded people who really their roots were from the um, conquistadors, the conquerors, is where these people came from. And their mentality, I guess, was you conquered the land for God and for country. Um, is really Roman's roots, you know, where, where Stephen's roots are are much more rooted in the bible and in when i say the bible in the biblical teaching that we are really after the kingdom of heaven not the kingdom of this world
0: uh, i tell you you're you're this uh until the day breaks the, the three book sequ- uh, s- s- series it could be a movie a television show you have done <laughs> yeah. your homework you have a Phenomenal story that you're you're developing in the first book already done. Can you remind again, just remind us again, what happened to Rachel's mother? Did she pass away or did she just abandon? You said her father abandoned her and left her with her grandparents to to raise her. What happened to her mother again?
1: Her mother died when she was a baby. Oh, okay. her her mother passed away when she was just a, a little toddler and she was left with grandparents
0: be raised by the so she and she and Romans history there is similar.
1: Let yeah, me ask you this. The uh, loss of a mother.
0: Yes. Let me ask you this. When you say I, I'm listening to you during the interview, and this is how a book becomes more interesting and engaging for uh, somebody who hasn't read it yet. Did you tied a lot of things together. Did did you set out to do that? Did you set out knowing Rachel's, I mean, Roman's upset with, with our creator because his mother's not here, and Rachel doesn't, her mother, and then she's with her father. I don't know how dominant Roman's father is in his life, but some of these links and these conflicts that you have, did you set out to create those when you were developing the story? This would be helpful for our, our listeners who are, who want to create a novel, or who are creating one. Did you set out to do that, like mapping that out, or did that sort of evolve on its own as, as you wrote the story?
1: You know, it, it really evolved on its own. I'm, I'm what they call in the writing industry a seat-of-your-pants writer, meaning I the story, to me, it's like plays like a movie in my head, and I type it. So my first draft is so fun. I love the first draft because I don't quite know what's going to happen um i may have an idea but what's happening is it's something that it's like i'm following a film and i'm typing and and on the days when i'm just really in the flow i'm just a typist and I'm, i'm typing as fast as i can to get the story down that i you know they call it following your muse um i always pray that i'm following the holy spirit that um i but it's it's um it's something that, that's outside of me. Um, and, and then, of course, when I edit the book, then I, then I really think in, about, you know, tying stuff together. But, but that first draft, when the story is coming out, I'm finding out that, that Roman is hurt because his mother died. Because he prayed really hard and God did not answer his prayers to keep his mother alive. You know, I'm finding out what my characters are finding out. And so it's so fun to do the first draft. Wow.
0: I, I'm listening to you. You've got, you've got enough conflict to make your story so exciting. And I didn't know if you planned it that way, but you, you're saying that happened organically. Now, right. does, Joshua, does Joshua prefer, he seems almost dismissive uh, when Rachel, he sees Rachel praying in her room at the start of the story, does he have issues with God? Does he, is, is he like, don't, don't talk about that?
1: Yeah. You know, he is the son of a pastor. He is, he would be a pastor and he is a, a son who has rejected the faith of his parents and,
0: and rejected
1: uh, it in the sense of I'm smarter than this. You know, I don't need God. I'm, I'm a man who makes my own, Faith, you know, he's really rejected what he grew up with, and um, I've I know a few people like that who were raised by godly parents, and they just decided that, you know, faith wasn't for them, and they're self-made men, they're proud and they're strong, and they don't need God, and um, which I find very sad. Yeah. So that's how I um, modeled Joshua. Will the second book in the series,
0: will that be set in California as well, or will some parts of that story take place in other other areas?
1: The second book takes place, it um, actually starts at the end of the first book. So at the very end of, of Until the Day Breaks is part of the first chapter of Far Side of the Sea with Maria, and she um ends up on a ship. And so she actually goes to Boston and then she comes back to California and then the rest of the novel plays out in in San Francisco in in 1849, 1850. 1850 was when California did become um, a a state. And um, so I I wanted to get some of that history in there. And so um, the second, and then the third book, so far I haven't written the third book so there could be some twists and turns I don't know about you know I'm hoping that mules muse will come that I just follow in Marysville um, Sutter Buttes area which is my area um, because Marysville was a town that really boomed it was the entrance to the gold fields, so it was this wild um, city you know where you gambled and had houses of prostitution, and all these things for men, you know, because at the time it was mostly men that were in California seeking gold. Um, you, and so that's cert- Oh,
0: my gosh, you are, you, 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 you really know your stuff, especially about California. Oh, my goodness. How long did it take you to write until, until the day breaks? And can you let our, our listeners know, because we have people who, Listen to off the shelf. Who themselves want to be writers or want to improve their stories, as well as readers. But how long did it take you to write until the day breaks? And you said you just—you don't have a process you use to develop characters. You just sit down and start writing.
1: Yes, I I do, and I think I probably need to rethink that. <laughs> but um, that has been my process. Um, until the Day Breaks is interesting because, you know, I rewrote that book several times. And so I, yeah, the thing with Until the Day Breaks is it was, it, it has, um, you know, violence and, and sexual tension. And I really want it to portray um, history authentically. I really want it to tra- portray human nature authentically. We we really are sinners in need of a savior. And and so, um, that book I wrote on for years, you know, here and there I would work on it. Um, I can't remember how, how long the first draft took, but my, the book I'm working on now, Far Side of the Sea, I started in May and I hope to have it um, to my editor in October. I have a historical um, editor. She's wonderful. Jenny with historical editorial helps me with the history and, and just the editing and, And I hope to have it done by October. So I guess my point is I started the book at the end of, around May, into May, and I hope to have it to my editor by October. So, and, you know, in the middle of harvest, it's really hard.
0: I got to tell you, and another question I want to ask you, we're down to about only five minutes left, and I had other questions I wanted to ask you, but I can see I won't get to them, but... How do you find the time? So many people say, not only book writing, but for our listeners, who there's something else they want to do, and it might be something that's been on their heart for years, but we use this excuse often. I just don't have the time. You're right. a busy woman. You have seven kids. You're, you, 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 you're married. You work a farm, and farm working is probably about as tough as it gets. How do you find the time to sit down and write?
1: Well, you know, it's it's funny, Denise, cuz I I believe that we all find the time to do what we love to do. Mm. So, I think we we most of us um will do what we love to do. And and so I I do love to write. I I love writing and I've had to cut out a lot of other things to write. Um like I have a horse that I love and I would love to be riding her and I haven't ridden her since before May. And, and my mom has been great. My mom um, works a farm with us. And so in the morning, she packs our fruit and she lets me write. So I spend a couple hours in the morning writing before I go over to to our packing shed and then load up and deliver our fruit or go to my farmer's market where I sell fruit. Um, So it's helped to have my husband's very supportive too. So at night um, after I get after we're done with dinner, I'll sit down and write for a while before bedtime. And, and I don't watch television. Um, years ago, we decided not to do television. We live in the country. And our kids can watch a movie. You can put on a movie. But I haven't watched a movie in a year, probably. So um, at in the at night when all my kids are settled down and my family's fed and taken care of, I either write or I research or read. Um, so I've had to cut out other things to be a writer.
0: You know, i, I got to tell you, you are really fascinating me. I, I want to give out her website again. Now you can see no television. And there was another, there was a couple who wrote books. They sold their house. They had a beautiful home. And the wife told me that, uh, just thinking about the mortgage, kept me up at night. She said they sold their home yeah.
1: and they lived yeah. out of an
0: RV. And she said wow. de- totally debt-free and just the way they live their lives it, it just people like you say you figure out how to do it and they you know you you just don't watch you don't watch television there are people told me I cut it out of my life and their life is right. better but if you go to Paula's website again it's ps no, bickno ps dot com. i'm telling you you won't be able to tell which one she is <laughs> and then you hear her tell you she they they they, they most of their food they grow on their the land themselves. We're always trying to find ways to be healthier. how much money we put in to health care and the stories you hear on the news people say they just they bring 'em down and so maybe you try turning the t v off sometimes and see what it see what it does for you. What have readers been saying about until the day breaks? What have you been hearing from readers?
1: You know what? What blesses me the most, Denise, is I. You know, when I wrote the book, I, I, I wasn't thinking about writing it for Christians. You know, I just wrote a story that was on my heart, and and when I sat down to to really put it out there, I I really wanted readers who may not really know the Lord well yet, who really want the things of God and want to know God, but don't know him yet and so i i've been very blessed that i've had a, a number of readers who aren't christians who don't go to church have loved the story and just said it really touched my heart and that has been my aim i hope my I, as my my audience i really want to write for people who who was like me when i was 30 you know and i hadn't been born again yet i was so interested in god but I didn't really know him. And that is really who I want to write for. And, and I've been excited to have a number of people say, oh, I just love your book, but they're not churchgoers. You know, they, right. and, and that's thrilling to me or, um, and then of course I, I love, I, I love it that there's Christians out there who've, who've it too. And I, it's not, you know, it's, I, I put a warning on my website. It's, it's, PG. It's not for everybody. It's not. It. You know, I read the Bible every day. I love the Word of God, and and you know, the Bible's very PG. <laughs> There's lots of violence in the Bible, and lots oh yes, times. You know, I actually blush reading the Word of God, and and yeah. so I really. You know, just I, I, I just really want it to write authentically. You know, I really yeah. want it to write authentically and, and so I hope I've done that and people have often said it's very real or it's raw and honest and that just thrills me because I'm after that or my favorite is oh I couldn't put it down I love that I've Aww. had a number of readers say I couldn't put the book down and I was thrilled about that and and so um, it, it's, can you it's tell been us, fun uh,
0: can you tell us we are down to the wire wire can you tell us where off the shelf listeners can get copies of your book, Until the Day Breaks. And let us know where you are on social media, if you're on social media.
1: I am. So the book is on Amazon. You just put in Paula Scott, and it should pop up. And my website is uh, psbicknell.com. So you can go to my website. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm not – I don't have a lot of time for social media, but I do my best to answer messages and – Responding, fight is there too and um so you know, I probably spend most of my social media on facebook um and you can connect with me there. I would love to hear from you. I've totally enjoyed talking with you, Denise. It's been wonderful and and uh so thank you so much for having me thank
0: you Thank you so much. We have just uh, been treated. To a very special guest, Paula Scott Bignell. She's the author of the book Until the Day Breaks. If you came in midstream or late to this interview, I encourage you once finish finishes streaming to listen to it in the archives in its entirety. She knows her stuff. She's the second historical novelist we've had on. The first one knew his stuff too, and they go way back. And you can listen to her interview and tell she really respects her craft. She knows her history. She didn't just throw a book together and encourage you to follow along with Rachel and Roman and Stephen and Joshua uh, and Maria, and uh, who appears in the, more in a second book in the series. And the series of it kicks off with "Until the Day Breaks." Again, remember Paula Scott author of Until the Day Breaks, and she's on the internet, com. Go over to her website, and you're just going to fall in love with her website. So we thank her for being here with us, and we thank each of you. And as I always tell you, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye for now. And Paula, I'll shoot you an email.